This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Teenage suicides can happen in clusters, compounding the tragedy. What are the reasons, and why do they tend to occur in one town and not another? A parent who discovers that their child is having some mental health troubles, if they are anticipating that they're going to be judged as a bad parent, that can make it really hard to come forward and admit that you need help. Then, have you experienced bullying at your workplace? It's more common than you think. We'll share strategies to deal with the problem. Most bullies don't isolate people individually. They actually find groups of people that they can abuse because they need to feel in control, so they want more victims. Find a friend that you trust and start building a case. Those two stories and more are coming up on today's show. Stay with us. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack. The weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. News reports of teen suicide clusters are very troubling. Why do they happen and can they be prevented? A recent study may shed some light on this, and here with us is a co-author of the study, Anna Muller, Assistant Professor in Comparative Human Development at the University of Chicago. First of all, Dr. Muller, can you give us a description of a teen suicide cluster, and how common are these? To start with, a teen suicide cluster is usually two or more suicide attempts or suicide deaths that occur in a short amount of time in a particular place. How common are these? You know, unfortunately, we don't really have good statistics about how common they are, which also makes defining them very clearly a bit of a challenge. Your study looked at the conditions that might trigger these tragic patterns. What did you find? One of the big things we found was that in the community that we studied, actually a strong sense of community was actually complicating suicide prevention in some surprising and unexpected ways. One of the main things was that generally in suicide prevention, we think about social connectedness as a good thing. But in Poplar Grove, uh, the community where I was doing this research, we found that the fact that everyone knew everyone was actually exacerbating the suicide problem by suppressing help seeking. So in other words, teens didn't want to go get counseling or help because they didn't want others to know about it. That's exactly right. And in fact, on top of that, parents were also exhibiting that same pattern. Parents also did not want other people to find out about their child's mental health troubles. And so there was this unwillingness to come forward, admit to help. On top of that, of course, anyone who's lived in a small community probably knows what the downside to a lot of social connectedness is, and that's that gossip is really facilitated through these dense social ties. And we found that in Poplar Grove. There was a lot of gossip about why kids were dying by suicide, and in particular about what parents had done wrong. And so if you can imagine the case of a parent who discovers that their child is suffering and having some mental health troubles, if they are anticipating that they're going to be judged as a bad parent, that can make it really hard to come forward and admit that you need help. We're talking on InfoTrack with Dr. Anna Muller, who is Assistant Professor in Comparative Human Development at the University of Chicago, talking about a study which she co-authored into teen suicide clusters. I would imagine in these communities also uh, discussions of mental health issues would also be something people would really avoid. 
Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about the community that I was studying is they were really trying to talk about mental health and to find ways to address this problem. But they were sort of battling against these community level characteristics that were sort of at the same time working against all the efforts that they were doing to try to prevent suicide. And so one other thing that we found was that there were really narrow beliefs about what makes a kid a good kid or a family a good family in this community. And, you know, it was a fairly privileged community where there was a lot of pressure for kids to be academically excellent. I remember a kid named Beth described to me that, you know, an ideal kid there would get straight A's, would take lots of AP classes, go to college, and it would be easy for them. And kids also stressed to us that if it was hard or if you were struggling or stressed out, that you didn't want to admit it because that was seen as failing to live up to this ideal. So even if you're talking about mental health problems and that we need to address them and you're trying to do all of this work to prevent suicide, if the sort of ideals in the community are that you're not supposed to struggle and you're not supposed to be stressed, it can be really, really hard without changing those ideals to convince people to talk openly about mental health. What advice would you have for teens who may be listening or parents who are listening as to ways to help prevent these tragedies from occurring? Well, for teens, you know, I would really stress that a certain amount of mental health struggle or stress or strain is completely normal. In national studies, we know that a sizable proportion of youth actually struggle with some of these issues, and it certainly doesn't make you any less perfect or any less of a great person or have any negative consequences for your long-term future success. So in that sense, I would really encourage youth to talk openly to their parents, to talk to some trusted adult whether it's a teacher or a mentor or a religious advisor or anything, and just be honest about it and really ask for help. Life does get better as you get older, and sometimes everyone just needs a little bit of help. For parents, one of the things that I really like to stress is that it's okay to talk to your children directly about suicide. It's okay to ask your kid, are you having any feelings of suicide or thinking about ending your life or that life isn't worth living? If you see that your child is struggling, it's a really great idea to talk to them very directly about whether they're having thoughts of suicide. What age would you suggest that a parent have that conversation? Age of the child, of course. Well, I think that parents should always be open to talking to their kids about mental health and how their kid is doing emotionally. And I think there's no age that's too young to start that conversation. Suicide risk begins to increase in middle school and then further in high school. So, you know, if a parent sees that their child is struggling with depression or some other negative emotional state, it's a good idea to just make that a part of the conversation. In terms of counseling or medical help that people can get, is this commonly available everywhere or is it kind of hard to find in certain communities? Well, of course, it can be challenging to find in some communities. We don't have enough resources to offer mental health counseling and help in schools. Actually, that's a conversation that's happening across the U.S. right now. However, online, there's some great resources for youth. There's something called crisischat.org, where you can instantly chat with crisis counselors. And then, of course, there's the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-TALK. And there's a lot of other resources online so that even if there isn't something in, you know, a person-specific community that works for them, they should be able to find resources online. This question may be outside the bounds of your research, but I'm just wondering if social media plays a role in these teen suicide clusters. 
Yeah, you know, I really didn't focus on that in this study. It's a hot It's topic. a really important conversation, and we need more research on it. So, Professor, any last words of advice or uh, other thoughts on this topic that you could share with our listeners? One thing is that suicide prevention really needs to be attentive to the needs of the community, and we need to be aware that communities may house unique and unexpected dynamics, which is the case with the social connectedness that I found in the study that I've done, where, you know, social support is a fantastic thing, but there can also be these other sort of negative externalities, like the way it facilitates gossip, which can then suppress people's willingness to come forward and admit they need help. It's also worth noting that in this community, it's not just academic pressure that's triggering this unexpected suicide problem. There's lots of schools across the United States that are very high pressure academically and don't have these problems. So what we're looking for is really complex answers to a really perplexing problem. Professor Anna Muller, Assistant Professor in Comparative Human Development at the University of Chicago. We want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Next, workplace bullying is surprisingly common. The best ways to deal with bullies, coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 